What's up, guys? Thanks for tuning in to Twisted Youngins, the most unorthodox show on the globe. We hope everyone is having a blessed day. Thank you for tuning in. And as always, I am one of your hosts, Myra B. King. And this is Desi Dez. And it's your boy Mojo in the building. We have a special guest with us today, ma'am. Let people know who you are. I'm Kim Hudson, Fox 2 News 11. Hey, everybody. Okay, How Kim. You Thank we you for joining it. us today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, no. Thank you for giving us your time. Uh, how long have you been uh, working in news, uh, being a reporter, a journalist? Ah, oh, man, that's a, that's kind of a long story. Uh, I've been on air for a major network affiliate, Fox 2, uh, since 2010. But I actually got, you know, what we call our small market experience. Most people who start at this level, which we are, I think, market number 21, one of the 21 largest markets in the country. Most mm-hmm. people started a smaller market. I got my small market experience at STL TV, which is the government access station for the city. Um, oh. And how did I get in there? I actually was an engineer for several years. So I did everything but audio board, the video board. And um, let me see here. Um, I wasn't, I didn't do field cameras, but I did graphics, live truck. Um, I helped to get the signal out of the building, that type of stuff. So uh, with that being said, I take it as you've been uh, in this lane for over a decade, right? So um, your mind and the way you think, um, I can tell this is your passion. And uh, when you look at things, you look at maybe from a a journalist or a reporter perspective. So I have to ask you, with everything that's going on, the temperature of the world, as far as this, uh, they're talking about introducing uh, a digital currency, uh, things that's happening in China, um, the, the, the job market, uh, food shortages. Have you ever witnessed anything like this? You know, um, yes. The fact of the matter is that I feel like it's my job as a journalist to uh, to advocate and educate. The thing is that I feel like the only thing that's different now is I feel like uh, viewers and news consumers are now holding journalists accountable for the tone that they use when they start to report on things. Um, And that they are holding us accountable for offering context. The fact of the matter is that wars have been happening all, uh, uh, all over the world you know, for centuries, the question is which wars get our attention? Um, right now, we are hearing talks about a possible recession, mm. about inflation rising. Mm. Uh, these things have happened before. Uh, but I'll give you a good example. Of course, digital currency I haven't seen before, um, of course, because that's a relatively new uh, invention. However, I will tell you this. One thing that I kept seeing um in a lot of our so-called wire copy back in the day, uh, a lot of the networks um, sent down stories that they wanted all of their uh, stations to cover. And it came down off of things that's called wire. It used to be like telegram. Things are literally transmitted through wires. Uh, now they're sent through email. But so I'm hearing a lot about the, the wire copy. You know, you hear stories and, you know, even all the way up until this month, we keep saying soaring inflation, soaring inflation. Inflation is not soaring. Inflation is actually dropping. So it was my job to explain what inflation is. Inflation is the rate at which prices are rising. It's almost like looking at the speedometer on your car. You might be going 30 miles an hour, but the second you go up to 35, you've accelerated. It's gone up. Mm -hmm. And the rate has gone up. However, 
if we look at inflation, prices rose at a rate of 8.2% in August. That dropped down to 8.1% in September. That rate dropped to 7.7%, I believe. It was definitely under 8% uh, in October. So inflation is not soaring. It is not taking off. However, if we keep saying things like that, it gives people the illusion that things are completely out of control and things are not getting any better and that it is okay to panic and it is okay to make um, risky decisions with the stock market or with who you vote for or, um, or, or, or with, or, or I might say risky decisions with the stock market, meaning you're both buying bad stocks going into cryptocurrency, which many uh, cryptocurrency tools are crashing, or yep. hoarding and investing for your future. Add NFTs to the list as well as bad decisions. <laughs> well, people consider like, uh, was they, I think they were saying like the inflation was coming from the government just printing money, like the overprinting of money. Can you expand Federal on that? Federal Reserve. So actually, the rate of inflation has a lot of different causes, a whole lot of different causes. And a lot of uh, congressional uh, lawmakers, especially the Democrats, they pointed to uh, what they call price gouging by a lot of different corporations. They pointed to um, oil companies making record profits. So why was gas, uh, why were gas prices rising so sharply and for so long? And if you've noticed gas prices in the city of St. Louis and many places are still above $3 a gallon, but many times now they're under $3 a gallon. So, you know, for us to say that it was simply one thing, the government printing money, that's incorrect. It has many different. Uh, no, no, I know it has different. many different things. I was just saying like they were really, especially, I think, especially the Republicans was uh, saying that they didn't want to give that much money back, back when uh, I think uh, Biden was giving these, uh, big, you know, big stimulus checks to people. They didn't want to give a certain amount because, you know, it was basically overprinting money that I guess they didn't have or something like that. Can you like I'm trying to figure out like uh, did how big of an impact did that have the printing? Of the and especially because of but I, I will say this. I will say this. Um, it's uh, hold on one second. Trying not to let my uh, phone down here. Good. OK, so. Um, so it is true that many congressional Republicans came out and argued against uh, more stimulus checks right. being issued uh, after the start of the COVID pandemic. And it is true that many of them did cite that this could trigger inflation. Right. Uh, and, and to a small extent, that has been true. The uh, office, uh, the Congressional Budget Office has uh, agreed that that has influenced uh, and and triggered some inflation, but that is not the only thing that has contributed no. to the large rates that we have seen. No. And, and, and I'm just saying that, you know, it's my job as a journalist to, you know, to yeah. educate and to say that this is a multifaceted problem. Oh, yeah, of course, of course, but, 100%. So, um, question for you. So, being in the space that you're in and obviously being a journalist and being in the public eye as much as you are and then obviously living your own personal life. Have you ever seen anything that you felt personally like, hey, this is something that should be covered that the station's just not interested in? You know, I feel like we are now as an industry starting to turn the corner on black and missing. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I first got into the business, um, you know, our station, as well as many other stations, um, and, and I have to say, I, too, uh, unfortunately, 
held this very unfortunate, uh, I'm just gonna go ahead and call it a prejudice um, about uh, teenagers running away from home. And I came into the business, I started covering news in 2010. That was before there was widespread understanding of the dynamics of human trafficking and grooming. And so I, I'm also a member of the National Association of Black Journalists. Mm -hmm. It's an amazing organization. And this past summer, they had two women on from, uh, or two women hold a panel about uh, the phenomenon of Black and missing. And they actually run that organization as well, where they try to highlight um, Black people who are missing. Uh, mm -hmm. And they talked about, oh, wow, there was, there was a young lady uh, who was a member, she was a student, and she said that she survived a human trafficking incident. Uh, she went to a party with friends. Um, she was told that a bunch of people would be there, and she got there and hardly anybody was there. There were just all these much older men, and they wouldn't let them leave. And she said that she had grown up so sheltered, she didn't understand what was going on, but one of her friends did. And then they started sending text messages, making phone calls, and they were successful in getting the police there. She mm. said, what would have happened if I disappeared? What would the press have said about me? Yeah, you know, I'm a freshman in college. You know, I went to a wild party. Would anybody have bothered to look for me under those circumstances? Mm. I've also done a lot of work over the past year with interviews with the FBI, St. Louis Field Office. Mm. And they brought up uh, the the concept of sextortion and how it's rising amongst boys. And that's pretty much uh, tricking someone into sending you some sort of um, explicit image and then extorting them for money to not release that image. So maybe they might pose as um, you know a cute girl um, that they've connected with online, or maybe even they might have hacked their um, web camera while they're like gaming and maybe they're just like, you don't have a shirt on while they're playing the game or whatever. And then they start extorting those boys. So I feel like we're starting to turn the corner on that with help from federal investigators and research. And I just did a story on a young woman who, uh, not a young woman, I apologize. She's a 15 year old girl and she left her foster home in August. Mm. Uh, her name is Janiah Gully. Janiah okay. Dolly, 15 years old. She left her foster home uh, in August to be with her biological mom. Well, uh, within the last three weeks, her biological mom has been incarcerated and the rest of the family has lost all contact with Janiah Dolly. Wow. And I was, I was drilling down on questions like, you know, what about the, the possibility that black teenager to black teenage girls are looked at as fast? That, oh, she's just a runaway. She's just a runaway. Right. And this family is terrified of the possibility of human trafficking. And the FBI put out a report two days before Janiah left her foster home saying that they had helped recover 87 young people. The average age was Janiah's exact age at the time, 15 and a half, and that many had been uh, sex trafficked. So I feel like that is something that... Uh, thankfully, is starting to get a lot more coverage, both at Fox 2 as well as other stations. For sure. Absolutely. Um, do you feel like as a as a black reporter that there's a lot of um, um, responsibility or stress put on you to report certain news? So, for example, like um, I don't I don't know your background or anything, but a lot of times as black people, we look for a representation of uh, like how we've we've grown up and for the things that's been promoted and advertised for us. For example, like on the news, we see just like 
uh, on the news. It's like, OK, you see black people getting killed all the time. It's like, dang, do any do anything else ever happen? Is it just only black people getting killed? Um, is it just uh, uh, black reporters reporting on um, certain news of people winning a prize? Um, you see what happens with the black reporters that even at these award shows, they get pushed to the back. Um, so I guess long story short is because um, I was speaking with someone and they uh, they're in the journalist field. And uh, one of the reasons why they chose to go into it, because they're like, OK, I want to report on things that um, a lot of people don't hear about that affects us. But then they get into it and they realize, OK, it is a job, not because a, a job comes with it, but uh, you don't have as much freedom as the things that you feel is important to you as according to like what they feel like should, oh, yeah, be, yeah. should be promoted. So like. Is there a is there a responsibility put on you for, you know, like what people uh, I don't know, like what people feel you probably should be doing versus what like you have to do? You know what? One of the things I cannot stand is when I I work early morning. OK, so I just got moved to a shift where I get to wake up at the late, late hour, 4 a.m. Mm -hmm. or be, be at work at the late, late hour, 4 a.m. Um so a lot of stories that are covered, I'm asleep. So why am I having an answer for this? <laughs> you know, when I'm trying to get my hair cut, why am I trying, why do I have to answer for this when I'm just trying to get my brows done? Like, I don't even know what story you're talking about. So mm -hmm. to say that I'm feeling that responsibility, oh, it could come out of absolutely nowhere. You know, my favorite question is, why was this story covered like whoop de whoop? I don't know, I wasn't there. Um, and by the way, yeah, there's there's some aspects of that story I would have covered the exact same. Why? Because there are certain ways to make sure that you're getting across a complete idea and a complete story within a minute, 30 seconds, which is the ideal length of a package. Um, but I do still feel that. So, so in other words, what I have learned to do is, number one, know my stuff, know my stories. Mm -hmm. um know what in the world i'm talking about so that i can at least push back if necessary mm -hmm. um you know i have a, an open door policy with my news director uh to let her know like hey you know this is how people are perceiving this story in the community and that's given rise to her attending nabj uh conventions in the past um her having webinars on everything on how words matter the type of terminology that we use how we use video to uh, report on some of these protests that we see out here. Stop calling protesters looters. We don't know who that is that broke into that 7-Eleven. So, you know, we, so, so I have that open door policy. I am very blessed and very lucky to have that um, because I know that is not the experience of everyone at every news station. Why so is... do you, do you think, one second, do you think that like, okay, when certain new uh, news stories are promoted, like when they mistaken uh, the wrong rapper for another rapper, when uh, I'm listening to you and it seems like thorough research goes into this, like it has to look like it has to get approved. Like when they say, oh, uh, this rapper passed away and they say it's another rapper or they uh, put certain words out there, I feel like just to get a response for maybe mm. clickbait or people to tune in to that. Is that true? Like, um. Uh, I, I will go ahead and say that that is that that's mostly a myth. We do use certain terminology. We do have to write certain teases to get eyeballs. But in terms of uh, sensationalism, the vast majority of news stations try to stay away from sensationalism because we're tired of the emails. Mm -hmm. We're tired of getting called out. Right. We had right. protests in front of Fox 2 before. 
But like, you know, our, our goal is, and also something else is that we don't want to scare people. We don't want to cause a panic because a lot of times causing that panic can cost lives. Um, it can, so I'll give you another example, the, which we didn't have an opportunity to tease, of course, with the uh, school shooting yeah. and central visual and performing arts. Uh, myself and my co-anchor, Mike Colombo, took extra extra care to not report on what we didn't know to not report on what we didn't already have confirmed because we knew parents were going to be tearing out of work trying to get down to the scene trying to get to their kids the uh family members and spouses of uh, the teachers are going to be doing everything they could to get down there when every place was just a, a traffic jam so yeah, our our goal, and also these are uh, tenants that are put forth by the Radio Television Digital News Association, which a lot of journalists are members of. So I think really the question that we need to ask is number one about the research and about cultural um, cultural competency. Uh, that's why it is of so much value to have not just black people or or other people of color like me in front of a camera. Mm -hmm. I feel like news viewers also need to start asking who is behind the camera? Who are your producers? Who are your assignment desk managers? Right. Who are your uh, newsroom managers who are making decisions on what's gonna be covered, what's not gonna be covered? We also need to start talking about um, laws that allow for consolidation of news uh, organizations because that also starts to get rid of positions and extra eyes that are on copy that would be able to find out, you know, is this really truly how you spell this rapper's name? Is this the rapper that actually died? Right. Did, you know, I mean, I can't tell you how many times the media killed, uh, um, uh, killed Patty LaBelle. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> a lot, you know. So it's like it, it, it's all about really that cultural appropriation. But one thing, a lot of news viewers and on our station, you know, again because of the emails, because our viewers held us accountable, we do have a very diverse newsroom. But that is not the case in every market. And mm -hmm. a lot of news consumers, I just encourage them to start looking at that, asking about that, sending emails about that. If you see something crazy on air, be like, who don't don't say, don't don't blame the anchor, because a lot of times the anchor is a sitting duck. They're stuck right. on that desk and right. they only have access to the email or whatever that's on their phone. Mm -hmm. I would like to see people ask, who's the assignment desk editor? Who's the news director? Who's the who's the executive producer? Right. Because then that's when you're going to start affecting change to help make sure that some of these news stories are more accurate. How can we get uh, St. Louis crime down? Like, what is what is going on to make it so, you know, every day I'm hearing in North St. Louis, someone dies. So, you know, like, how, how, like, like if you were to, 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 to get down to what what is the root problem in, you know, that area? Like, you know, what is it? So I feel like I have to address two issues here. I am a St. Louis native. I'm, I'm, I'll be brutally honest. I'm 47 and a half years old. Okay. And I have been born and raised in this area. Um, I can tell you from an anecdotal standpoint, just the things that I've observed, but also statistically, crime actually is not as bad now as it was in the 90s. Okay. I remember not being able to sleep at a friend's house when I was in college because it was too quiet. She lived in the county. I did not have those gunshots to help me go to sleep. That is not the case these days. However, one thing that is the case is the lack of educational opportunity. That leads to uh, a lack of uh, vocational opportunity. And that leads to lack of access to things like mental health care. Um, that leads to uh, lack of access to things like childcare. 
Um, and also, if you don't have a robust public education system, that means that you don't have the funding for things like after school activities, sports, other adults who can help keep an eye on your kids to make sure that they don't fall into in with the wrong crowd, um, that they don't make really bad mistakes. It does take a community to yeah. raise a child. It does take uh, the whole neighborhood. And we just are missing that because parents are literally just trying to survive. Now, is that due to... Well, a lot of people will say that's due to the lack of money that the um, the city has, but I would I would argue that that's a you know that's kind of agropo. But we're building a billion dollar soccer stadium out there on the same streets where we've got parking lots full of homeless people just sleeping, no place to go. The landings full of them everywhere. Um, when you go throughout St. Louis, they're everywhere. Like there's homeless people everywhere. There's homeless veterans. There's homeless mothers with children. Um, obviously, with the weather changes and things like that, it gets extremely cold during the winter and extremely hot during the summertime. And I just I believe how many um, I think you guys got like six shelters all together down in St. Louis or something like that. Like it's not a big number. So I'm wondering, is there anything that we could do? Or um, far as politically wise, is there anything that we can do to try to vote or try to get some things passed where we can get some help for these people? So uh, it's very interesting that you brought that up. I just did a story on uh, the the both the winter uh, winter crisis combined with uh, our the, the crisis that our unhoused neighbors face. And there are lots of groups here who are holding city officials accountable for the lack of resources and services that are available. Um, again, I feel like it's not just coming down to voting. It's going to be coming down to um, voters holding those that they elected responsible for making sure that that money actually gets to these service, service providers and mm -hmm. making sure that that money actually get gets uh, dispersed. Um, in terms of voting, I mean, of course, you know, vote for candidates that actually support these policies that would help the in-house, that would actually help to fund public education. Um, and also to fund other social safety net programs like, you know, Med Medicare, Medicaid, these services provide mental health services as well. So yeah, it's going to come down to voting, but I feel like we can't just stop there. We actually have to start writing those letters, writing those. It's never been easier. Write those emails, write those letters. A lot of, you know, politicians, they have form letters on their website. We need to use those and share those in order to make sure that the people who we send to, you know, City Hall, Jeff City, Washington, D.C., whoever are actually doing what we sent them there to do. Absolutely. All right. Well, we know you have to uh, get out of here. I wish we could continue this, man. So many uh, things yeah, we can get into, but uh, we uh, definitely appreciate for the time that you gave us. And uh, before you go, uh, uh, are you, you know, what religion are you? You believe in Jesus Christ? I am. Amen. Wonderful. So you're a Christian? I am a Christian. Amen. Yeah. There we go. Amen. How okay. is that? Working? I mean, uh, how is that? Before we get out of here, how is that being a Christian and working in media, obviously, in today's day and age? Well, uh, I mean, we got to be honest, you know, in the United States, Christianity, you know, is very widely observed. Um, I do feel that um, my my Christian walk is my Christian walk. And I am very, very blessed to have a news director of a show that allows me to uh, talk about other people who practice my faith. So with the 9 a.m. show, you know, it's fun, you know, featurey, we have live guests. Uh, so we've had 
you know, gospel choirs on before. We've had gospel bands. Uh, we often promote things that are happening at churches. I do believe, though, for me, you know, my God has also called me to support and to amplify the voices of other problem solvers from other faiths. So, you know, I'll have, I'll talk about Hanukkah being on, it was one year Hanukkah was on the same uh, night, the first night of Hanukkah was on the same night as Christmas Eve. And it was great. Me and my niece, we went there and then we went to church. Um, I've had uh, hijabis on to talk about, you know, looking fly for um, for Ramadan and Eid. So yeah, I, I'm very blessed that I work in a space that allows me to express myself as a Christian and to also uh, connect with others um and, and to and to do like jesus did which is to love everyone and um i'm a pretty lucky girl i mean absolutely he loves everyone but you know he jesus said i'm the way the truth and the life so although you know you love everybody but you got to follow him if you don't follow him i'm not saying you're supposed to be out here evangelizing you know that's that's something that i do i hit the street corners and you know and, 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 and that that is your space that is absolutely space um, i do believe that myself as a journalist i represent talk to an advocate yeah. for everyone and amen. and again you that's to, you're on tv amen. that's your job amen and it's, it's my job but yeah. it's also my faith walk absolutely i mean but you gotta because because to say it's your faith walk like especially if you're around somebody else from a different faith and you believe and you know for like you know for a fact that jesus is real you know, you know, for a fact that the God of the Bible is the, you know, the 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 only God that there is, you know, it, it, to my faith walk is I have if I find an opportunity, I have to evangelize. I got to tell you about Christ, man, because you're, you're, you're on the wrong path. It, although it may look good, you may look like you got it. all. I, I, I have to admit, um, again, the way that uh, Jesus Christ speaks to me. I will never tell anyone that if they believe in a God that promotes love and peace. Yeah, but he says I'm the way that you're on the He says I'm the way that you're in a life. No, absolutely. That's not the God of the Bible. I understand what you're saying. I feel you, but that's not the God of the Bible. I was just going to ask, um, do you often read the Bible? I do. How often you read it? I read it at least once a week. I've got a lot going on, but I make sure that I said time every day to pray and to journal but once right. a week that is the day that i that that is just me and the bible I have to admit right now i'm stuck in the book of exodus but who are we in the bible who are we in the bible yeah I, i'm not i'm not clear about your question like who are we like reading the bible you know that's like history right that's god you know given the story of how we became who we are, like how everybody, you know, came on this earth. He's given the story. So who are we in the Bible? Have you did research in that area? Um, I, I, again, I'm not quite clear on your question, but then again, um, I also have a science background. So while I realize that creationism is a thing, um, I also know that, you know, biologically we came to be uh, through the smashing together of yeah, and, and evolution. I do believe that, evolutionary. Oh, 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 okay. So got it. No, yeah. That, no, we so, so listen, we appreciate okay. you yeah. giving us your time today. Um, is there anything that you have going moving forward that we should be looking out for? Anything that the station is going to be doing out in the streets of um St. Louis or anything like that that we could actively try to get involved in or anything that the people should be on the lookout for? 
Yeah, sure. Just follow Fox2Now.com. We will restart the 9 a.m. show on Wednesday, December 7th. We've been down because of FIFA World Cup soccer, but we have an amazing St. Louis-based Black-owned designer called Unknown Union. They have since expanded into L.A., but they're going to come back home, show us what they're working with. Also, we have... Um, um, uh, uh, Cecil Cedric he is an actor and he's in a Hulu uh, Christmas movie he's going to be coming back the day after Christmas and also the day after Christmas we're going to have what we call our um, our uh Gosh, we, got, we call it our, our music festival. So we're going to be playing a lot of the really great bands that we've had on throughout the year. Amen. All right, well, you have a great night and we definitely appreciate you Thank and you stay so in much. touch. We got to do a part two for sure. God bless you.